I thought of Al yesterday when I saw this story of Hulk Hogan rescuing a teenage girl out of a car that flipped over. Now, the reason why I thought of Al was for a couple of reasons. One, he's a wrestling guy. And I could just imagine, like, if you're flipped over in a car and the first person you see helping you is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Ow! You would have thought you were dead, I think. You'd be like, I, I died. Like, this is not happening. This is Hulk Hogan that is pulling me out of this car. But the real reason I thought of Al was because Hulk Hogan's wife went to X to make sure everybody knew that Hulk Hogan had done this. So I feel like... If Al had rescued a teenage girl in a car that had flipped over and punched the airbags and pulled her out of the window, that he would have had his girlfriend Gina tweet out, man, what an amazing man that I am with who helped this teenage girl in this flipped over car. And just amazing stuff. As she, she put out there on X, <clears throat> she goes, last night we left dinner in Tampa. We saw a car flip in front of us. I truly admire my husband at Hulk Hogan and our good buddy Jake Rask for springing into action, puncturing the girl's airbag, and getting her quickly out of the car. You would definitely want credit for that if nobody saw that it was you, right? Absolutely. In fact, about three or four weeks ago, I found a credit card while walking whimsy, but I found it in Gina's town, and she knew someone who knew the person. Okay. So she texts the person, I I found your credit card. I said, eh... I actually found the credit card. You know what I mean? Like, come on, you didn't find the credit card. Yeah, give me a little credit. Some credit yeah. here. Yeah, you found it. You could have done anything with it. You could have gone on a shopping spree yeah. or just sold it to a criminal or something. Yeah. But no, you did not. I did not. But yeah, the whole Hogan thing. I would definitely, if I helped somebody out of a accident, you know, I could funny? see you doing a selfie video. Right here, so I, I am. Here I am. <laughs> just help this young woman out of this car. And I just want to want you to know that it's always nice to do something what good for somebody else and and to be a hero when you need to be. Yeah, what's funny too is he um, just came from dinner, as you said in the story. He's wearing an NWO T-shirt, <laughs> <laughs> which means he went to dinner in an NWO T-shirt. <laughs> That's I mean, great. I'm sorry if I am in a horrible car accident and I rolled over and in Hulk Hogan in an NWO. WO t-shirt rips me out of the car. I would have been like, all right, this is what death is. I'm in the afterlife now. There's no way this is happening. You know, I will say that we know that you would make a big deal out of it, Al, only because of what happened with the dogs that were fighting. Yeah. You called 911. I would have called 911 and then looked to see if I could help. So uh Shank Spot City here with the Giants. There is this is, I mean, it's classic NFL coaching when things go awry. So Pat Leonard of the Daily News has this article yesterday about Brian Dayball, Wink Martindale, Mike Kafka, Joe Shane, and how Brian Dayball's composure on the sidelines is an issue. And some of the yelling and some of the things he was saying to Wink is what caused the rift between these two. And Joe Shane was on a headset for a game and heard some stuff in three games or four games yeah but it was the washington game i guess was the one that was a, a the biggest issue where he said you're gonna blow this one he said this to wink you're gonna blow this game just like the jets game which i guess people had a problem with because the offense didn't do much in that jets game that was the tommy devito debut where they didn't allow him to to throw the ball but you know, well, more that was than, graham gano game he missed a that's field right goal. and he was hurt yep. yes and he was hurt so she been screaming at him i mean the the thing that I take away more than anything from this because people are going to say, oh, you know, is Brian Dable the right guy if he can compose himself? 
stop. Everybody loved the fact that he was yelling in Daniel Jones' face. Everybody loved the fact that he's intense and desperately wants to win. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they, they don't go to the playoffs. They have a losing season. All this stuff is a problem. This is a, a guy in Wink Martindale and probably his assistants that are pissed off that things went the way that they went and they wanted to get their story out there and they wanted to make it seem like they were not the problem, that he was the problem, and this is how this thing happened. I mean, and it's to me, it's it's petty, it's silly. I don't see anything in this article where I'm like, Brian Dable can't be a head coach. I mean, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, anytime I see something like this where you get somebody trying to take down somebody else, it, it makes the where we think the source is, it makes them look worse than the person that they're trying to take down in this article. Personally. Well, you know, there's a reason why Wink Martindale left Baltimore. I think John Harbaugh probably got sick of him. Yeah. And, you know, quite frankly, when I read this article, I'm like, this is Wink Martindale giving it all to Pat Leonard. And good for Pat Leonard for getting it and interviewing a source. But, you know, it's like uh, the old thing that uh, our friend Herm Edwards said. Put your name on it. You know, don't don't hide behind obscurity. You know, you're pissed off. I get it. You know, I got fired from Monday Night Football. I put my name on it. You know, I was I was disgusted. I was pissed off. A lot of guys got fired. I got fired. People behind un, underneath uh, the, the telecast got fired unceremoniously and they should have never been fired that way. But that's the world we live in. And now uh, I, I just think that this is, you know, it's it's just bad blood and it's. It looks bad, and you know who it's coming from. And, you know, now now Brian Dable's just got to move on from it and figure it out. Linda in Flushing. Good morning, Linda. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? We're doing great, Linda. Sorry we didn't get to you before. I know uh, we were talking. We were yapping. We were being very, very selfish, Linda. No, no, that's okay. This is the first time I've ever called in. I've heard so much about your show, and I think it's hysterical. I mean, I'm going to listen to you from now on. Oh, thank you, Linda. We appreciate that. Thank you that. very much, Linda. And and I love football, and I watch constantly. I've been around longer than this. Have been Super Bowls. <laughs> that, do you remember the Chowchilla kidnappings? No, I don't remember that wow. either. It's amazing. All right, anyway, go ahead, Linda. What do you want to talk about football? Well, I I love football, but the thing is, it really is taking a little too long. And I thought of a great way to save some time. Okay, this is what they should do. Yeah. I mean, I hate when anybody gets hurt on the field, but they take so much time attending to them where they're rolling around. So I just got a great idea. Why don't when they fall down and they're laying there, why don't they just roll them like a carpet off to the sidelines and just push them off into the, you know, into the foul territory, whatever, like out of bounds, and then this way they can attend to them over there. But if they don't roll them out, there should be a time limit that they can only roll around so long. And if there's a time limit, then if they don't roll them off the side in the right right length of time, then they get a five-yard penalty. Okay, Linda. Uh, (laughs) I mean, uh, I want to say this nicely. Do you know how ridiculous that sounds? (laughs) Just roll well, them off the side. We can't I'm do that. I'm tired of staying up past 11 o'clock at night waiting for these. Yeah, I know. You know, maybe a guy has a broken neck or unfortunately he's concussed oh, or he's well, got a broken they leg. Up on him real quick. But maybe they should give him maybe a few more minutes before they roll him off the I mean, maybe they could have rolled DeMar Hamlin off the field last year. And then what do you oh. think would have happened there? Well, it might have taken a little bit longer to recover. <laughs> 
Linda, I was thinking they would just, you know, when a guy falls down and gets injured, like like you take, you know, a sick animal to a vet, they should just put him down, I think, on the oh, field. No. Oh, no, and no, then no. just drag them off. That's what I think would probably be the faster thing. And then we don't have to deal uh, you know, with these Linda, I these love the wusses. fact that you are a football fan, and I love it, but I mean, come on. Come on. And by the way. to feel like a carpet. Right. And the NFL is working their asses off to, to shorten these games and to make them, like, in a three-hour window. And they're doing it in a lot of ways that fans don't even realize. Yeah. Whether it be the expedited replay, whether it be the extra referees on the sidelines communicating with the coaches so the referee that is actually officiating the game doesn't have to go running to both sidelines. They're trying to do it through communication and technology. And for the most part, I think it's brilliant. We don't know about it. We didn't know about expedited replay really last year. They yeah. didn't really talk about it much. And now it's become part of the playoff games and trying to keep them moving along. I'm sorry, but the image of some guy writhing in pain on the ground, grabbing his knee, and like a grounds crew coming out like they would roll the tarp onto a baseball field and just roll the guy off while he's like, ah, ah, come on, we got to keep this thing moving. And Linda's like, finally, finally, they're rolling these guys off. I can't stay up to 11 p.m. to watch these games. Roll these jerks off the field. Oh, Imagine yeah. these guys come out. They're all dressed the same, like uniforms. They got the ref, like, black and white on each other. <laughs> Rolling them off. Like a carpet. Roll them up in a carpet, then put them on the back of the cart and get them off the field. We'll figure it out when we get them in the locker room. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. That was almost as good as the guy who said put opposing magnets in the helmets. So, don't hit each other on the football field. Repel off of one another. Oh, God. Did you hear what I just said about Belichick being available? Yeah, I know. I, I don't know, man. You really think you that John Mara is going to do that? You want to take that with a grain of salt, too? No, no, no. Okay. I, was just I, nev- I never took anything with a grain of salt. Don't put that on me. I know that. I know. That, was one, that was that jet press writer, man. Okay. I'm, not a, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know. Like This is all coming at a weird time, and Bill Belichick's out there interviewing with the Falcons. He wants the coach. Uh, loves the Giants. I mean, that means that you're getting rid of Joe Shane, too. Uh, they're not doing that. I don't know, man. I don't, who knows? I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering aloud. Can I do that? Am I allowed to do that? Of course you can. And I'm allowed I mean, to say here, that. I don't think it's going to happen. We here, we we come in here to have a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. We like to have a nice conversation. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just having a conversation. But sometimes you drop like things where you know something. <clears throat> I'm just having a conversation. Ah. Green assault spot. When we're dropping some crumbs this morning about John Mara's only shot at Bill Belichick being right now, which is a it's an impossible thing to argue. I mean, this is this is it. Unless Bill Belichick went somewhere different next year or and then hated it there and left after a year, or he just decided to take a year off and then things don't go well for the Giants this year. And Get him available. here, makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense. I don't know, man. I like Brian Dayball a lot. I would be, I'd be surprised if John Mara was like, ah, all right, fine, all right, Bill, here you go, here's the keys. At seventy years old, we'll, well just scrap everything we're working yeah, on. Here. I mean, the other thing too is, is he could wait a year to see what else shakes out. But look, man, you got eight teams, possibly, well, seven teams now because Gerard Mayo's got the job up in um, up in New England. The other interesting thing, 
Gerard Mayo, middle linebacker, Antonio Pierce, middle linebacker, D'Amico Ryan's middle linebacker. Now, Mike Frabel was a defensive end kind of slash hybrid linebacker. Yeah. But those guys now all of a sudden are becoming, you know, fast becoming head coaches, you know, because they were leaders of men on defense. And I think, like, when Antonio Pierce got here for the giant defense, it became whole. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was definitely one of the leaders of that defense, probably one of the more vocal guys. And I, I still think, I still really feel like he's going to get the Raider job. I do. Yeah, I hope so. Just because he really, it seems like the players want him to be there. His story is great. He seems like he has really worked hard up the ranks. And it would just be a, a really good story. And if you get a, a great offensive coordinator there and someone that you know is going to run the offense, I mean, he's a perfect leader and a guy who knows defense like the back of his hand. I mean, I, I think that they could succeed with him as a head coach. So, all right, so we know who he is as a personality. We know that he's a leader amongst men. We know that. Um, and obviously all the players responded to him. And a lot of his players are saying that they want him to be their head coach. So we'll see if uh, Mark Davis goes down that path. The other interesting one, Tennessee for a second. Think about this. Now, Bobby Sloak is the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. He came from San Francisco with D'Amico Ryans when D'Amico got the head coach. Yep. He brought him as his offensive coordinator. So when you think about, like, the 49ers, the Rams, the Bengals, the Dolphins, uh, Houston, they're all running the same offense. Now, each guy does it a little bit differently and puts their own little twist on it. If you were the Texan, a te- a Titans, and you want to kind of slow the pace down of your of, of the Texans and of C.J. Stroud, wouldn't you hire that offensive coordinator as your next head coach in Tennessee? I mean, I would if he interviewed great and I felt like he could be that leader. But as we talked about before, he, I mean, I don't know a damn thing about Bobby Sloak's personality. Yeah, I don't either. But his dad was a, a longtime coach. He's been around for a long time. He's coming from that San Francisco kind of way of doing things with the way that Kyle Shanahan does it out there. And all these guys that are all successful in the league are coming from that kind of that tree. Yeah. So I don't, again, a leader amongst men, I don't know. But I do know that the owner of the Tennessee Titans, um, she lives in Houston. And she's obviously living through this Houston Texan rebirth. Mm. And they're watching this second-year quarterback or this uh, second overall drafted quarterback, rookie quarterback, have this huge success with this offensive coordinator. So you got to be thinking, you know, get me a piece of that in Tennessee. Let's go. Let me get a piece of that. That's no, right. Mrs. Strunk out there says, let me get a piece of that. Let's Amy, get strunked up. Right, Amy, Amy Adams Strunk. So let's, let's hurt a team within our division by taking one of their coaches. Yeah. I mean, I would but also... Look what happened to Philadelphia when they lost both coordinators. And everybody yeah. think that's a joke. That's not a joke. That's that's serious stuff. No, I understand. It's not. Nobody's saying it's a joke. But I also, like, one of my points going into the season with the Giants was that they kept both of their coordinators. Yes. And that was going to be a positive. Eh, not so much. Nobody wanted Wink. Not so much. <laughs> You know, I was like, that was like a big point. I was like, listen, you don't normally, when you have an out of nowhere season like the Giants had, you keep both your coordinators, and they did. And that's going to be a good thing. It's amazing that that it turned into what it's turned into right now at this moment. And there's a guy floating above everybody in the NFL. His name's Bill Belichick. And he wants the coach. By the way, did you see that the Belichick kids were offered a spot on the coaching staff well, in New Gerard, England? Gerard and Steve, Gerard Mayo and Steve Belichick worked 
long and hard in the scouting department, in the film rooms, all the stuff that Bill Belichick requires you to do, whether you're his son or one of his all-pro players. Yeah. If you want to get into coaching, this is the way you got to do it. And I remember Chris Sims telling a story here about when he went up there, because it looked like he was going to get into coaching mm-hmm. and then realized just what the expectations were and just how difficult that is and what it requires and the sacrifice that it would require from you and your family in order to do this. And so I think Steve and Gerard became very close. Their defense has been good, and they speak the same language. English. Well, I mean, defensive language, (laughs) defensive football language. And I think Gerard Mayo is thinking, you know, look, if he doesn't want to go with his dad, I'd love to keep him here. Have some sort of continuity with a defense that was already pretty good. And I honestly, if I were one of the Belichick kids, I'd probably want to get away from the shadow of my dad and say, I want to be here and maybe make a name for myself either still in New England or somewhere else. Because it's like you're just going to be the coach's kid forever if you're just the coach's kid on the same staff. But I think that also speaks volumes for Steve Belichick that Gerard Mayo is willing to keep him on the staff. Yeah, sure. That tells you how committed he is to his craft. He also might be doing Bill a favor, too. (laughs) Because Bill, he loved Bill. You never know. You never know. You never know how that goes. That's right.